we're back for part two of the podcast highlighting games three and four in St. Louis and we felt it was necessary to do this because we wanted to bring in Peter Baugh of The Athletic who has been in St. Louis for the last three games actually talking to us from the airport right now as he heads back to Denver um, squeezing us in between uh, another radio hit that he's going to be doing in just a little bit Peter Baugh's a man that everybody wants to talk to right now because he covered a couple of games that were pretty fascinating out there in St. Louis how's it going? Hey, things are good here. Uh, yeah, it's been a hectic few days. I'm apologizing in advance for all the noise at the oh, airport, good. but uh, I'm happy to be on and I'm happy we're able to make yeah, this work. Yeah, sometimes you just got to crank out a podcast wherever you can. And, you know, given what we've seen the last three days and some of the fascinating storylines, it's definitely necessary to bring you on. And there were water bottles thrown. There were players that were injured, two of them, in fact. There was a lot of fascinating post-game press conferences. Just to start, Peter, how has it been these last, you know, two nights the, the, or the last three nights, these last two games, just being a part of all of this, just, you know, shed some light on what you've been a part of the last few games. Yeah, well, it's definitely been been hectic. So I'm from St. Louis, so I have a lot of people in my life who have been texting me about everything going on. And there's been a lot of it. It's been it's been a really fascinating series, more so from a drama perspective than a hockey perspective. Some of that drama is fun and welcome and part of the sport and why we like it. Others is obviously with the Islamophobic messages and threats, just completely unfortunate, um, sad, dispiriting, all of those things that... Um, I've never experienced. I know you have um, in ways that I, I will never be able to. And um, I guess I just wanted to start by saying that and that obviously that is totally unacceptable. And there's there's not really, I don't know. I don't know if there's a ton more to say. It's just, it's really upsetting. Um, and anyone who sends messages um, like that, I'll echo what Nazem Kadri said after the game and say, uh, I feel sad for you. Like, it's it's a really low and despicable thing to do. You wrote an article on The Athletic, Peter, not too long ago, just kind of highlighting uh, the growth and the steps that Nazem Kadri wants to take this year. And uh, it kind of shed some light on a lot of the things he's done in the past, a lot of the ways he's reacted in the past. And it kind of it, it ended with, you know, this idea that there's a lot of words that he's using of what he wants to do but obviously he needs to do it in the playoffs for people to kind of change their perception of who he is and the kind of person he is. And let's just put it this way. The last couple of games, he's been a marked man. He was involved in a collision with Callie Rosen, and uh, they took down Jordan Bennington, who was knocked out of the series, um, you know, maybe the rest of the playoffs if the Blues don't advance. Uh, he was targeted by David Perron on multiple occasions in Game 4 last night. He was targeted by Pavel Bushnevich, Fans were targeting him. Middle fingers, like you said, were thrown. He kind of just nodded it off and, and, and you know, did his thing. Uh, the head coach, you know, made a comment about his reputation in the postgame. Nazem, you know, he kind of clapped back to that one last night. It was a little different. But despite all of that, he had zero penalty minutes in game four. He didn't get involved in any of the post-game, in the post-whistle, you know, scuffles. And he goes out and takes three shots and scores three goals, adds an assist on an empty netter. Is this exactly the type of reaction you were expecting, the type of growth you were expecting when you wrote that story and, you know, kind of listened to the words he had told you and, you know, you had heard from his family and his wife and 
about the kind of steps and the growth that he was looking to make? Well, I, I didn't know. I mean, because look, I, and I kind of ended the article by saying that this playoffs, these playoffs will show a lot. And the thing, the fact of the matter is that Nazem Kadri has a reputation, which I'm not necessarily saying this in the way Craig Berube was, but there's a reason that Nazem Kadri has a reputation, and a lot of that is his fault. And I think he knows that the people around him know that. Um, I think they differentiate between what happened in Toronto and what happened last year against the Blues with Justin Falk which was definitely a, a bad hit on Falk, but I think that did not have the same intent that maybe the um, hits on DeBrusque in the Boston series, for example, where they had been going back. It wasn't retaliatory. That was trying to make a hockey play, and he missed his hit. Um, so I, I guess I, I'm saying I, I understand why there's so much um, conversation around him. And then I think you add that with he he goes into this series. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how the Blues were going to approach him. Um, I, I didn't know. I, I think he knows that he's got – this is a big stretch for him and he's got to keep his cool. And he and he has. It's been, it's been impressive. And I thought, like – I liked his comments a lot after the game about um, how he honestly, like – he was like the – because I asked him, I like asked specifically about the non-hateful – comment they're not the non-hateful jeering just like the booze and all that stuff and he was like yeah i love that like that's fun that's like i like when fans are involved in the game and stuff and and i thought that was kind of cool to hear him talk about how he embraced that and he certainly has i turned to the guy sitting next to me um after they started booing every time he touched the puck in game three and i said he's gonna score tonight (laughs) and i felt like a prophet because he sure did. He scored a big goal that night. He added an assist that night, and then he had four points last night. So it's been uh, quite a quite a series for Kadri. I think um, game three, I thought, was the Nazem Kadri game. Now it looks like game four is the Nazem Kadri game, and at this point it's probably just the Nazem Kadri series. He's been uh, maybe the Avs' best player the last two games and obviously has been – in the middle of a lot of stuff so it's been it's been something else to witness and to do it both in both games on the road and you know this is something that i talked about and wrote about last night is and by the way that embrace word is is awesome because i talked about him embracing his role as you know the villain like eric johnson called him lo and behold i pulled up your story that's that was your that was your you know your first paragraph was talking about that so he really truly does embrace that idea um but the and he is an agitator. Yeah, that's like, his like, and he he has kept that he has kept that part of his game, and so far these playoffs has not crossed any lines. Like you look at the like Bujnevich when Bujnevich pushed him over, that was because he uh, he shoved David yeah. Perron and Bujnevich shoved him back over. And I was talking to someone um, who is talking about how he he kind of thought that the like the Bujnevich minor he was like that's fine. The Blues could have taken that. And you, you try and kill that off. You you live with a guy standing up for his teammate. But the fact that it had to be a five-on-three because then Perron just jumped yeah. on him, that was kind of when things got out of yeah, control. Perron, like Perron also laid a cross-check from behind and then jumped on him and started throwing. I'm honestly surprised Perron didn't get a double minor because it would have been very easy to give him a double minor there, um, which wouldn't have changed anything because in the end, he would have just scored at the end of at, at the beginning of the second minor as he did when it was even strength but you know what i kind of wrote about 
Yeah, and, and I'm er, briefly. I'm I'm not sure. Part of me wondered if the reason they didn't give him a double minor was like they. I I don't know how refs work, so this could be totally off base. But I was wondering if like, because Kadri probably they could have done offsetting That's roughing true. calls because Kadri did kind of start things, and then. But I think maybe they decided instead of doing offsetting calls, we'll just give Colorado yeah. a five on. Three. I think they sent a message to the Blues there when they gave, when they uh, gave them both and the only minors, and at the same time setting up a two minute five on three, which you rarely, if ever, see in the NHL. Uh, that was a message to cut it off. We obviously saw David Perron shortly after try to hit land an elbow on him. I don't know if you saw the replay of that after his fourth after the fourth. Yeah, play. it was not. Yeah, great. that was. Definitely not great as a way to put it. I I keep going back and forth on if the NHL is going to address that because we've seen a Dale Hunter uh, do something similar to that to Pierre Turgeon many moons ago before you and I were born. And uh, he faced one of the biggest suspensions in the league at the time. And I'm just really curious how the NHL handles this because had that connected, uh, David Perron would be out for a very long time. But it obviously didn't connect. But there's replays showing the intent was there. So... We'll see what happens there. Yeah, and I'm sure they, I'm sure they have more angles, like because the replays, it's hard to tell how close yeah. he was to Kadri. So that's, but the and the other thing is, is we've seen with the NHL is, it matters if the person, if they do make contact yeah. and if they are injured, which in my opinion doesn't make sense. Like Jared Spurgeon, yeah. when he, who I know Jared Spurgeon had a sterling reputation, all that stuff, but like, the play on Buchnevich in the first round where he kind of came down on his Achilles it looked like Buchnevich didn't get hurt you think the NHL wouldn't have suspended Spurgeon if or would have suspended Spurgeon if he had gotten hurt I would guess so So I think that 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 matters to the NHL I don't necessarily think it should but I think that just judging by track record appears to be yeah and that's something that we um that's something that a lot of Blues fans were tweeting at me when I was you know asking the question of do you think the NHL will chat with David Perron about this was well if David well if Jared Spurgeon didn't get injured didn't get suspended for his attempt of injuring Pavel Buchnevich then David Perron shouldn't either so I totally get it it's that I could see maybe a fine yeah. for that and the maybe maybe we'll we'll see I could see yeah. something like that but I don't think David Perron is too worried about no, I, I think David Perron had, was, was on a mission yesterday, and it was a stand-up for his teammate, and it was, uh, you know, he went out there, he attacked Nazem on multiple occasions, he tried to get him with the elbow, he hit him from behind, jumped him in the one penalty, and then also scored two goals, and is up to, what is it, eight or nine now in the playoffs, so he's having himself a series. I mean, he's been he's been pretty yes. unbelievable ice on the ice-wise, and it was interesting hearing him talk after the game, I think he said that he didn't it uh, like kind of going after Kadri was less about Kadri and more just like that he felt the team needed a spark. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe makes more sense for the cross check than for when he uh, like tried to yeah. chicken wing him. But who knows? It's hard to get in the mind of these hockey players, and there's yeah. a lot of. I think there's a lot of these types of plays throughout a game that are are not ideal. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. It's it's been a really interesting series, and I mean it's worth noting that Perron did say something about. I mean I'm not like he he said he he when it, he when he was asked about the threats that Kadri faced, he did have a quote saying like it's inappropriate and no one should have to go through that, and kind of condemned that. So I I'll give him credit yeah. for that. But yeah, I did not think the uh, 
I, I especially the chicken wing and the diving on top of him to me were not great looks for David Perron. But scoring two goals was a very good yeah, for, for David sure. Perron. It just kind of seemed like the idea of David Perron going after Nazem Kadri or the fact that David Perron you know, had an opportunity to go at Kadri and took it. Just seems like the exact type of thing that people have been saying Nazem Kadri did to Jordan Binnington, where it was, well, you know, maybe it wasn't entirely his fault, but he didn't make an effort to not run him. If you're going to run the goalie, make sure you really run him. And that's kind of the narrative people have been putting out there. And that just seems to be what David Perron did. So maybe, yes, he was going out there and trying to you know, hype up his bench and rally the troops and get his team back in the game and really wake things up. But he also did the extra step but of, the, you know, if I'm going to run at somebody to bring my team to life, let me make it Nazem and let me make that extra hit just because it's Kadri and the reputation. Yeah, and and again, I think this is speculation, but if he doesn't jump on top of him and he just cross-checks him, that's probably a matching, it's probably a matching minor. Like Kadri probably gets a roughing, Buchnevich and Perron get roughings and the Avs get a two-minute five-on-four power play. And Kadri probably doesn't score the... I mean, it's hard to... Yeah. That's a whole, like, butterfly effect thing. But the fact of the matter is the game-winning goal, what was credited as, as the game-winning goal was Kadri's second goal of the night, which came seconds? pretty much on a five-on-three. Yeah, it was like it was... The Blues were still kind of scrambling after the five-on-three ended and Kadri scored. So it's... I think that you kind of have to look at this and see that whether Perron, just from a hockey perspective, if Perron's intention was to get his bench in the game and get things going for the Blues, it it didn't really work because it ended up being the game-winning goal that Kadri scored shortly after and that. And the quote that Nazem Kadri used, I believe, to describe that was, lose your cool will make you pay. Or something like that. Yeah, Kadri was on one yeah, in his he post was, game. He was he excellent. Was, he was throwing zingers. He was throwing zingers left yeah. and right. Uh, I'm curious how. I mean, because he kind of said he was like with Baruby, with when talking about Baruby's comment about his reputation. He said like, I guess he's never heard of bulletin yep. board material. My question is like, has he just given the Blues a ton of bulletin board material, or are the Blues just kind of toast at this point? So that's true, and I kind of look at it both ways, where Nazem Kadri absolutely responded to what he felt was bulletin board material, and he came out and he was on one, and he had some zingers in his presser, but I feel like he he tried to keep it a little more even-keeled than he could have, because he could have said so much more. Um, but I'm really curious how the Blues respond to that. I mean, the Blues have bulletin board material already. It was... Nazem Kadri, we feel, ran our goalie and knocked him out of the playoffs. Nazem Kadri ran our defenseman last year and knocked him out of the playoffs. We hate this guy. Let's go out there and beat him and beat this team. And let's face it, that hasn't worked just yet. It, it seems like the Blues just kind of are... It's done the opposite. Yeah, like they, they've run out of answers. And every time there's something involving Nazem Kadri, be it last year or this year, they, they tend to fall apart. And, uh, you know, Kadri spoke on... You know, I, I know you talked about his post-gamer, but obviously I was able to listen to his TNT interview first, and I was just so curious about what's going to happen there. And we're going to get to the water bottle thing next right after this, but he had an even better zinger to me during that one when he said, and I know you talked about how he was talking about how the people that were making those hateful comments, um, you know, they're, I feel sorry for them and all that, but uh, he had an even better one in my mind on TSN when he said that, 
some of those messages I got don't reflect every fan in St. Louis, but for those who hate, that one's for them in reference to his hat trick. And it just kind of yeah. was. He felt like he was on top of the world and he was doing everything in his power to remain humbled and not try to shove it down everybody's throat. And it looked like he kind of found that middle ground of I need to say something, but also I can't take it too far. Yeah, well, he, he definitely took the chance to give some yeah. zingers. He, he did not shy away from doing that. I uh, Yeah, and I think I actually I really liked that Bednar and Kadri kind of made a point of saying that this isn't a reflection of all the St. Louis fans. And Kadri was kind of talking about how, again, he, like, didn't really mind them kind of getting into it with him and all that stuff, like, with the, uh... Within, within the know, guy. He, he didn't mind a lot said, of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I thought that was kind of... I don't know. I thought that it's was very nece- it's very, good. Of, it's very necessary I, to do that because nothing I hate more than when you see a video of two drunken fans fighting in insert city name... And then you get a whole bunch of comments talking about how so and so city has the worst fans, and so and typical Blues fan, typical Red Wings fan, typical Avalanche fan, typical Predators fan. It's like this is just people, and there's people that suck everywhere. It's not a you know there there's no correlation. Yeah, I'm kind of of the belief that like all fans. Yeah, suck. there's there's terrible oh. people in every <laughs> single fan base. There's no correlation between being a shitty human. And the team you like. It's not like every single person who's a fan of the, I don't know, Minnesota Wild is a piece of trash, racist, homophobic, Islamophobic. Like, that's not the way it works. So, um, I always yeah. hate when people do that. And I love that they went out there to address. And obviously for Jared Bednar working in that organization once and in that city once, it was nice to see him do that as well. Um, but taking it from here to game three, uh, I want to talk about the water bottle thing. So... Nazem Kadri is on TNT talking to Paul Bissonnette and and, and, uh, Rick Tockett and Anson Carter and and Liam McHugh. I think I got them all. And he kind of turns to the side. As I was watching it, it was really strange. He turns to the side and just pauses for a sec as he's talking about the Bennington collision and then casually says, and I think he just threw a water bottle at me. And we kind of like, I heard it the first time and I was like, wait, oh, so Bennington threw it like I in my brain it processed did he just say Bennington threw a water bottle at him but it didn't process like what that actually meant holy shit Bennington tried to throw a water bottle at him in the hallway and then the press conference or the interview finishes and at the very end before they cut away Paul Bissonnette gives him another did you just say that Jordan Bennington threw a water bottle at you and Nazem said uh, I don't know for sure, but it seems like it. And it kind of sounded like he knew for sure it was him. He probably saw him, but just didn't want to say it outright. But tell me about that. Tell me about how you heard of it. Uh, you know, I saw Tariq El-Bashir take a picture of the water bottle. I think it was him and posted on Twitter. Uh, how you were able, you know, without naming who, how you were able to kind of confirm it was Bennington. Just kind of walk me through that entire situation for you being in the building when that was happening rather than being able to see it when it happened on TV. Yeah, so I my editor was watching on TV and he messaged me and he was like, "I Kadri said Bennington might have thrown a water bottle at him." So I immediately um, was like, "What?" And then I I asked Kadri about it. He kind of said like, "I think it was Bennington, but I'm not sure." Someone in the room actually had seen it, so I like they kind of talked about it. And then I had someone text me who had information about it. They had said that they. They had that it was for sure Bennington who threw it, and I checked with someone else who was there, and 
was definitely Bennington. So it was honestly to me like that is the. I mean, I don't, I, it, I do not necessarily condone throwing a water bottle at someone, but it was an empty water bottle, and to me, that's kind of like the fun, petty drama that is like funny in a series like this, you know, where it's like just kind of. I don't know. It's fun when the teams don't like each other. It's when it crosses a line, which it ultimately did, um, it, it, that it it is not good. But yes, the water bottle throw is definitely something unlike things I'd covered in the past. If Nazem Kadri embraces being the villain, then that's probably the easiest way to describe Jordan Bennington as well. We know damn well he embraces being the villain. We saw him last year in the playoffs, and not just against the Avalanche. He's done a lot of things around with a lot of other teams, I should say, that have led to people not liking him, uh, me included. But uh, against the Avalanche, we saw him, you know, skate to Philip Grubauer's crease last season during the playoffs. We saw him try to swipe at Nazem Kadri with a stick this year earlier in the regular season, obviously throwing the water bottle at Nazem Kadri. And then throughout all of that TNT last night, every time Kadri would score would kind of take the camera and put it on Jordan Bennington's face sitting up there in the, in the uh, press box and you just saw that look of damn it on his face every single time it was just a very fascinating back and forth um, starting with that water bottle and obviously ending with the fact that Kadri scored four times after the injury of Jordan Bennington and what was a 1-1 series and what was us talking to a you know suddenly upbeat and positive Nathan McKinnon talking about how we want to go to st louis and steal one hopefully steal two the avalanche are heading back to denver with a three to one series lead here we are they're one victory away from the third round it's just been it's been a whirlwind and and i think it's just been fascinating to kind of see how it's all unfolded um there's a lot more to talk about and hopefully we will talk about it after game five uh you know some of the star players the lack thereof of goal scoring from mckinnon from kale mccarr from nico rantanen outside of the empty netter uh, but we can touch on all that later. I just wanted to get your inside feed of the Nazem Kadri stuff and how fun it was to kind of be a part of that and cover all of that. So, yeah, any closing thoughts from Peter Bob of The Athletic? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just echo what I said earlier, and it's pretty upsetting hearing um, a lot of the – seeing the Islamophobic racist, like, threats, things like that that were sent to – um, Kadri, and I think we can all agree that's unacceptable, and um, yeah, I, I guess end by condemning that, and I mean, I don't know what that feels like, we'll never know what that feels like, but I can't really imagine, and I hate that you had to deal with that, so I'll end of with Of course, that. I appreciate that, Nazem appreciates that, and obviously it's a sport, it's a game, and I think we often as humans lose sight of the fact that literally it's a hockey game it's you know we often talk about resiliency what i'll end with is we often talk about resiliency as a player that you know goes 12 games without a goal and gets paid to score and uh, or a player that comes back from an injury and has a positive out impact on the game when he returns and it's it's the on ice resiliency that we often talk about and we often uh romanticize and and you know shed some light on but what we saw from Kadri yesterday was real-life circumstances. It was real-life uh, resiliency from a guy that probably was mentally in a different place heading into Game 4 and, and 
Jared Bednar even mentioned how he was a little worried that Kadri would be able to, to you know, wake up for this game and be able to go for this game just because of what he's been going through. And he was able to be resilient in a real-life situation, and I think that that's the most fascinating part about him. He called himself thick-skinned. He, he said that he's able to uh, deal with a lot more than many others, and I think he proved that last night. And obviously, you know, getting those kind of DMs and messages, which his wife has now shared publicly, are... Uh, one way to go about waking this giant and uh, letting him continue the work that he's done for so many years of speaking out against this stuff. So thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for, you know, all the great coverage these last couple games. We'll see you here in Denver soon. Have a safe flight and game five Wednesday night. Let's let's see where it goes. Sounds good. Thanks, man.